Funding for this edition of Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been provided by the New Jersey Education Association, RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, NJ Best, New Jersey's 529 College Savings Plan, PSEG Foundation, Newark Board of Education, the Adler Aphasia Center, the Russell Berry Foundation, making a difference, and by Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, working for a healthier, more equitable New Jersey. Promotional support provided by NJ.com, keeping communities informed and connected. And by ROINJ, informing and connecting businesses in New Jersey. Hi everyone, Steve Adubato with my colleague, Jackie Chicarico. Jackie, how are we doing today? Doing great, Steve, good to see you. Good to see you. Jackie, let's set up this interview. And you and I went down to Atlantic City for the New Jersey Education Association Convention, spoke to educational leaders, innovators, policymakers, um, and a range of folks. And I was able to sit down with David Hogg. To tell everyone who David is and why he matters so much. Well, David Hogg um, was one of the survivors of the 2018 Parkland school shooting, um, and he has made it his mission um, to really try to end gun violence. And uh, him and his sister and a couple other um, of the students that were there that day and survived that horrific day in 2018 uh, started March for Our Lives. Um, and they are really just advocating and, and connecting with legislators and, and doing the work on the ground to try to end gun violence in our country. You know, it's so interesting. You, you see David Hogg, uh, he is in, and, and search David, he'll come up and you'll see a whole range of interviews that he's done and the work that he has done since that horrific 2018 Parkland school shooting. But here's what, here's what you have to think about. He's a kid at the time, he's in school. He happens to turn his camera on. He's got some background in journalism as a young person uh, who's very interested in social media and, and media and slash journalism. He turns his camera on. He starts interviewing some of his colleagues, uh, some of the other students, and he's actually recording as the shooting's going on. And David Hogg talks about that experience. He talks about the aftermath of it. He talks about testifying before Congress. There's a this is an extraordinary and frankly painful portion of this interview where he talks about an interaction he had with Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, in which she is, uh, you can decide for yourself when he talks about that uh, interaction with her, in which she's challenging him and what he's doing in the effort to fight gun violence. Jackie, the issue of gun violence, there are lots of different points of view on it, but when it comes to school shootings, I mean, the number of schools, I mean, I, I, how is there I, any debate? Yeah, I want to know how there is even any debate. I mean, right now, we're up to 40 school shootings in 2022 and 607 mass shootings overall this year. Um, this year is set to be the second deadliest year for mass shootings in our country. Um, and that's according to the Gun Violence Archive. And, you know, it's just 
how is even even one of the even one of those is too many at this point and i think too as a mother right as a parent and and you know you know this as well as a parent to ever even have to think twice about sending your child to school and to think that something like this this horrific could happen in our kids' school is just so unsettling, so unnerving, and it's 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 horrible. Like I said, and one way that I found to kind of give back and and try to advocate and do something um, a little bit more tangible when it comes to making sure this doesn't happen anymore. Um, Sandy Hook Promise, which was started by um, the Sandy Hook organization. Sandy Hook, we, it's just been 10 years. They just, um, in November, it was 10 years since the mass shooting at the elementary school there. And uh, we've had their organization on our programming talking about ways that people can get involved, parents, community members. So I've become a Sandy Hook Promise leader. Um, and that means that I'm doing things in my community to help uh, advocate and stop gun violence and a lot of it starts at, you know starts in the classroom with the kids sure and the kids just being friendly to one another giving them the tools to say hey that kid over there he hasn't played with anybody today and he looks sad i'm going to go over to them and and ask him if he wants to play with me starting you know just as simple as that to create really good human beings that are uh, identifying kids that might need that extra hand to Jackie's point, I should have said this up front. Jackie is our executive producer of Think Tank, also the executive producer and co-anchor of our series, Remember Them. And again, Jackie joined me in Atlantic City. She did a range of interviews as well. I'll be introducing those. But Jackie's point about uh, being more involved as a parent, that's one piece of this. But with David Hogg in this interview, I just want to be clear that a couple of issues that came up. There are a lot of people who say, or many who say, hey, wait a minute, why don't we arm our teachers? We asked David Hogg about that. Why don't we have more security in our schools? We asked David Hogg about that. We asked him what he thought some of the tangible, there is no solution. There is no one action that Congress can take that our legislators on the state level can take. But there are a whole range of things that you can do from a policy level and from a parental point of view that Jackie talk about, talked about and our schools, our school officials. And the situation in Uvalde, Texas speaks for itself. You can have all the armed police officers, security officials, and horrific things happen anyway, and sometimes those folks don't act. We're not passing judgment. Time will judge the folks who were supposed to be protecting those kids. That's it's not a separate issue, but there is no one way to deal with this. So for Jackie and myself and our entire team, this is a, an in-depth interview that I had with David Hogg, a young man who has important things to say about gun violence in our schools. Thank you, Jackie. Let's go to the clip. Thanks. Hi everyone, Steve Adubato here in Atlantic City at the New Jersey Education Association Convention. We're honored to be joined by a leader who's making a difference across this nation, fighting the good fight. David Hogg is a 2018, well, from the Parkland school shooting. He's a survivor of that horrific, uh, violent event and also the co-founder of March for Our Lives. So good to see you, David. Good to see you too. Thank you. You're a keynote speaker here at the convention because? Because they asked you first. But. Well, for one, they asked me, obviously. What's the message? I think the real message here is that education is the most powerful tool in the world. And our educators are on the front line of defending our democracy as a result. I'm here to help you know, talk about why it's important that we keep our students and our teachers safe and all you know, school administrators safe in their schools and outside of their schools as well. Then let me ask you, you had decisions to make. Um, and you made them very quickly, uh, on the spot, in a horrific, unimaginable um, 
crisis where murders are taking place around you. What do you think it is, as I've read so much about you and you've become an, an international figure, what do you think caused you to decide very quickly that you were going to get involved deeply and lead this effort to stop school violence, to deal with gun violence? Well, you know, I, I think it's important for people to know that in Parkland, our school is not like most schools uh, in terms of the architecture of it and the layout. Our school is an outdoor school. So the shooting happened in a building that was the freshman building. And while I heard many, you know, I heard gunshots from my own classroom because our door was open that day, even though it was February, it was like 70 degrees in Florida. That's how we could hear students screaming and stuff. I wasn't actually in that building. I was right next to it when the shooting happened. And I think as a result of that, many of us thought it still could be a drill. So when we first initially went into our, you know, the classroom that I ended up in, you know, uh, in disbelief, I still think many of us thought it was a drill. But as we heard the radio uh, correspondence from the different over the over the intercom or between the teachers, we soon found out that it was any unfortunately anything but a drill. And in that moment, you know, not knowing whether or not my, you know, you don't know if there are multiple shooters, you know, looking back on it now, I can say, oh, that was just in one building, but you don't know that right. at the time. Because of that, my own experience in journalism and TV production, I started interviewing my classmates in case it was as a way of calming myself down from what was happening in that. So I could put kind of my, my own, you know, feeling of just being so out of control to the side and interview my classmates so that if we died in our classroom, our voices would carry on to Congress and show these Congress people who say over and over, you can't talk about this, this is too political, what the very students who died in the shooting wanted. I'm trying to, first of all, those of you watching and listening to David right now, what you describe is unimaginable for virtually all of us. And, but you did what you did but then you began to organize. Then you began to speak out. Then you began to become uh, someone who was getting others involved. Let me ask you something. We're, this convention and us being down here is um, right after a midterm election, right? It, it looks like the Republicans are taking control of the lower house. And we don't know what's gonna happen in the Senate it's, as we're taping this, we don't know. That being said, what has been the response you've gotten from most members of Congress to the fight you're fighting to assault and uh, federal ban on assault weapons, other gun safety initiatives. What is the general response, A and B? Who has fought it the most? Well, for one, the, I think the general response has been completely different um, since 2018. You know, we, the shooting happened in February of 2018, a couple months before November when that election happened. That those couple of months, we just absolutely worked ourselves to death as much as possible, trying to turn out young people to vote and raising this as an issue in the midterms in 2018. And from that, we helped make this one of the top issues in 2018, along with a record youth voter turnout for 18 to 21 year old or 18 to 29 year olds right. at 31 percent record never was, has been higher. And gun violence was the primary hook. It was one of the top ones right. in the first place. Um, that was the highest youth voter turnout in a non-presidential midterm ever. I think we changed the way that a lot of these politicians talked about it because we showed that the mass shooting generation was growing up and we were just starting to vote in the first place. And I think our voices have only gotten, gotten stronger since then. In 2020, we played a critical role as 18 to 29 year olds helping to elect the, uh, President Biden. And this year, 
even with just the polls that we have right now in the exit polling, we know that the only reason it wasn't a massive red wave, like many pollsters had predicted, was because 18 to 29 year olds voted over 20 points for Democrats. The fact and again, you believe part, yeah. in large part on this issue, David. Yes, I think that's in large part on this issue because we've seen Democrats this year in the House, they passed an assault weapons ban. Even though some people weren't necessarily happy about it, we got it done because yes. they were worried. Well, that's that a significant, sorry for interrupting. The, explain to folks, David, the significance of that. Well, since 1994, there's been a common uh, idea within the Democratic Party that the reason why they lost the House and it was such a bad you know, year for them electorally was because they passed an assault weapons ban that year. We passed it in the House this year. We didn't get it through the Senate because we don't have a filibuster-proof majority, and unfortunately, we have to deal with the filibuster in the first place, but we did pass it in the House. I mean 60 votes. Yeah, we don't, we don't Not have 60 votes, right? right? But we did pass the first federal gun law in 30 years this summer, which was far from what I would have liked to have seen, but it was still progress, and it may save lives. So I think the biggest people that have been in our way are people that are owned by the NRA. People that want to protect guns like the AR-15 instead of kids like my classmates were and the adults that we now are. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at steveadubato. I'm very grateful that I'm still here. That's me and my daughter when we went to celebrate our first anniversary. With a new kidney, I have strength. They gave me a new lease on life. I'm still going everywhere and exploring new places. Nobody thought I was going to be here. Nobody. And I look forward to getting older with my wife. That's possible now. We're transforming lives through innovative kidney treatments, living donor programs, and world-renowned care at two of New Jersey's premier hospitals. They gave me my normal life back. It's a blessing. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. New Jersey is home to the best public schools in the nation. And that didn't happen by accident. It's the result of parents, educators, and communities working together year after year to give our students a world-class education, no matter the challenge. Because parents and educators know that with a shared commitment to our public schools, our children can learn, grow, and thrive. And together, we can keep New Jersey's public schools the best in the nation. Hi, my name is Alma Saracia at Malcolm X Bass High School in Newark. I completed the FAFSA because it's a graduation requirement and to assist me with paying my college tuition. Last year, Newark students earned more than $77 million in scholarships and financial aid. Don't miss out. See your school counselor today. Let's go to work, class of 2023. Complete the FAFSA or NJAFAA. At the Turrell Fund, we know childcare creates transformative early learning experiences for young children and helps families succeed. Childcare is essential for the economy, driving financial growth and sustainability across all sectors. The Turrell Fund envisions a New Jersey in which every infant and toddler has access to high quality, affordable childcare in order to grow, develop, and thrive. Our children are our future. For more information, visit TurrellFund.org. You know, there's video. I, part of me wants to bring up Marjorie Taylor Greene, and part of me does not. The interaction with her is, if you go check it out, 
I'm going to talk about arming teachers in just a moment. But the Marjorie Taylor Greene and the folks she represents as it relates to keeping us safer because of gun violence, what does she represent? Why was she harassing you? I think she was harassing me because she wanted to raise more money for her run for Congress and gain notoriety. And she wanted to use a school shooting survivor as a... Uh, what are you, a foil? As a, some kind of political pawn or something like that. And, you know, I don't care if you agree with me completely or you completely disagree with me. The fact of the matter is we shouldn't have members of Congress chasing after 18-year-old kids that, like I was when I was barely 18 years old when, when that happened harassing kids and saying that they're, the shooting at their school didn't happen. That's what she Say, said. Saying horrible things about, you know, just ridiculous accusations that don't make any progress in the first place. And again, you know, I always say this. I can, I, Thanksgivings across America and many dinner tables, you know, are not the most politically unified, especially in my household growing up. I've had many conversations throughout my life since I was very young with people who didn't agree with me on this issue and a multitude of other issues, right? We all have. I know from those conversations, though, it's possible to disagree with somebody and still respect them. Absolutely. Disagreement and hatred are not the same thing. And I think what Marjorie Taylor Greene represents is hatred. It's an erosion of the truth. And in an America, in an America, where increasingly truth is a matter of opinion and belief and not fact. And my question is, how can we make progress? How, how does somebody like Marjorie, like Representative Green, believe that we can create a more perfect union by acting like these horrible issues just don't exist? Or that Alex Jones, it didn't happen until he was forced to acknowledge that he lied and that court case is what it is. Right. It's just a distraction. Imagine someone having an opinion on this, whether it happened or not, when children are, are killed, parents lose children, uh, teachers and, and, and other teachers and kids are are traumatized for the rest of their lives and you want to politicize, I'm, I'm, it's not my job to be on my soapbox, I'm off. Arming teachers, there are some watching right now who say, let's give teachers guns so they can protect themselves, so they can protect their kids. That's part of the answer, you say, David? No. Because? The reason why we shouldn't arm teachers is because that's, I, I, I often think of this like, you know, we could try to stop fires from breaking out at buildings in the first place, or we could try to hire more firefighters, right? Yeah, if you hire more firefighters or first responders, you may be able to stop, you know, a few more people from dying. But the reality is, why not stop the shooting or that fire from happening in the first place by being preventative about it? You know, by putting in smoke detectors, by making sure that you have the right measures in place to stop that fire from breaking out in the first place. The reality is, other countries, even ones with guns, like Switzerland, where they're a major part of their culture there, do not have school shootings on a daily basis. And you know why? It's not because they have cops in every school or their teachers are armed. It's because in those countries, if you want to own a gun, responsible ownership is mandatory, legally speaking, and not something that's voluntary. You can't just own a gun and voluntarily, you know, it, it, they have the right laws to ensure responsible gun ownership for those that do want to own a gun in the first place. The reality is in our country, I think if our response to school shootings is just selling more guns, <laughs> that's what it just seems like to me. Every one of these solutions that they bring up over and over again revolves around one way or another, selling more guns. The solutions that are often suggested, like arming teachers, have been tried. 
like arming more school personnel. You know, after Columbine, it was, we need more cops in our schools. Guess what? My, my school in Parkland, Florida had a cop. He failed. He proved not to be a good guy with a gun, but to be a coward with a gun. And Uvalde speaks for itself. And Uvalde speaks for itself. How many more times are we going to have armed personnel? Mind you, those people are highly trained, far more than any teacher would be with a gun. And they can't even intervene. And I'm sorry for sounding angry, but I'm not. I'm passionate because I know this won't work and it's actually going to endanger our students more. I'd really like to address the people that don't agree with me. I understand, and I'd like to say something to them directly. I understand that you don't agree with me and I can respect that 100%. I have many family members of my own that don't agree with me. The thing is, I've been shooting guns since I was in fourth grade. Before I went to middle school, I knew how, because my dad was in law enforcement and he taught my sister and I about the importance of gun safety in our house. Before I went to middle school, I knew how to disassemble, reassemble, clean, and load my dad's multiple guns. I've grown up around these things. I understand that we have disagreements about how to handle this issue, but what we can agree on is the fact that something must be done. And as Americans, not as Democrats or Republicans, but as gun owners, non-gun owners, and Americans, bottom line, that care about the safety of our kids, we have to find the common ground here because what we've been doing for the past 30 years is only continuing to get our kids killed. So let's figure out what that common ground is and get something done, even if it saves one life, because that's what we're here to do. I don't want to quibble between the difference between anger and passion, but are you losing your patience for those who fight against, quote unquote, sensible gun laws? I don't think I've ever had patience for them. <laughs> um, I, I think the important thing is, though, patience and respect aren't necessarily the same thing. I still have respect for people that don't agree with me. I've talked to many Republican members of Congress who don't agree with me. Republican some Democrats senators. don't as well. Right, and some Democrats too. You know, um, America is, as a democracy is never completely 100% agreed on anything, right? But we work to find the common ground, create a more perfect union. And that's, that's right. the type of politics I think we need to bring it back to is not, you know, what punchy talking point uh, or soundbite can you get at? Or a personal attack. You know, or personal attack just so that you can raise more money in your extremely gerrymandered district like Marjorie Taylor Greene has, where it's just a race to the bottom to see who can be the most far right person possible. I think we need to get rid of this politics of corruption, of cynicism, and bring back a pol and bring in a politics of sincerity and hope and true, honest, and good faith action to create a more perfect union. Because the challenges that our generations face, unfortunately, there, there, there is no shortage of those challenges. And in order for us to successfully address them, it's going to require a lot more than 60 votes in the Senate or, you know, 218 or whatever it is in the House. Right. It's going to require all of that, all of us working together to create a better future where kids don't have to live in fear in their schools or outside of their schools from the gun violence that is now the leading cause of death for young people. That's really where I wanted to go in the time we have left, David. I was mentioning our daughter or anyone, again, who has a, a child in a school. Do you think that some have gotten to the point with so many school shootings, these mass murders, that that's just a part of our lives, that they accept that this is that these drills and hiding and under the desk, the banging on the door and as part of a drill, you don't know if it's a drill or not. That's just part of our life. That's just the way it is. They just accept that. You don't. No. And I, I know some people might accept that, but I know plenty of older people, hundreds of thousands of older people and younger people who don't accept that because they've all either lost children or have lost friends or other loved ones to gun violence inside or outside of their schools. 
I think the other important thing to think about is while, while school shootings are horrible, the vast majority of gun deaths in this country are suicides that also need to be addressed. The vast majority of gun violence that occurs in this country is outside of school, disproportionately affecting black and brown communities that don't have the resources that predominantly white communities like Parkland have in the first place. The reason why Parkland doesn't have shootings on a daily basis isn't necessarily because we have stronger gun laws than any other part of Florida. It's because we have some of the most resources of any community in our country. The solution to gun violence isn't just gun laws. The solution to gun violence is resources and making sure that communities have the resources that they need so that young people don't feel the need to pick up a gun in the first place, so that they don't look at that as a, as a way of getting out of it, so that everybody has an opportunity to succeed regardless of their zip code, while making sure that guns also don't get into the wrong hands. But it can't be either or. Yes, we have to address mental health, but we can't act like racism is a mental illness at the same time. Yes, we need to address, you know, why somebody picks up a gun, but that's only part of the solution. It's like with cigarettes. We didn't just address how somebody buys cigarettes, why? you know. We addressed why. why. Why does a young person especially want to smoke? And you know what we did? We made it uncool, and we went after, the tobacco, after big tobacco. And we need to do the same thing with the gun industry in this country. Before I let you go, last question, I promise. You're optimistic about real progress in terms of gun violence, real progress. I'm not always optimistic, but I would say on average I'm optimistic. There are certainly, uh, you know, highs and lows, but what I will tell you what has made me the most optimistic Please. by far has been the fact that 15 months ago, I started working on my former colleague Maxwell Frost's Yeah, down in Florida, campaign. just one. Because he used to work with March for Our Lives. In 2019, Maxwell was in Richmond, Virginia, sleeping on a state legislator's floor with all of our student activists who, mind you, were threatened by far-right protesters that were armed, slept on a state legislator's floor and got out and passed all those laws to, or lobbied the morning before all those protesters showed up. And now Maxwell, at the age of 25 years old, despite 15 months ago being an Uber driver and literally having less than $5,000 in his campaign account, now is going to be the youngest member of Congress and the first Afro-Cuban person and in the Congress. district. Tell everyone the district. Uh, and the district is Florida's 10th congressional district in Orlando for former Representative Val Demings. And that district, there was a mass murder, a mass shooting yep. um, in a club in Pulse. Yep. And unfortunately, that's not unique because it happens everywhere now. Hey, David, I, listen, we're only supposed to speak for a few minutes, but I cannot thank you enough for being so gracious with your time and, and sharing your thoughts. And we wish you and, and everyone working with you all the best. And thank you for coming to here in New Jersey to, to talk with our educators. Thank you, David. Thank you. Think Tank with Steve Adubato has been a production of the Caucus Educational Corporation. Funding has been provided by the New Jersey Education Association, RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. The Healthcare Foundation of New Jersey, NJ Best, New Jersey's 529 College Savings Plan, PSEG Foundation, Newark Board of Education, the Adler Aphasia Center, the Russell Berry Foundation, and by Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Promotional support provided by NJ.com and by ROINJ. To see more Think Tank with Steve Adubato programs and to listen to Think Tank with Steve Adubato, the podcast, visit us online at steveadubato.org. If you would like to express an opinion, email us at info at caucusnj.org.
Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PhD, and follow us on Twitter at Steve Adubato. I'm very grateful that I'm still here. That's me and my daughter when we went to celebrate our first anniversary. With a new kidney, I have strength. They gave me a new lease on life. I'm still going everywhere and exploring new places. Nobody thought I was going to be here. Nobody. Now I look forward to getting older with my wife. That's possible now. We're transforming lives through innovative kidney treatments, living donor programs, and world-renowned care at two of New Jersey's premier hospitals. They gave me my normal life back. It's a blessing. RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. New Jersey is home to the best public schools in the nation. And that didn't happen by accident. It's the result of parents, educators, and communities working together year after year to give our students a world-class education, no matter the challenge. Because parents and educators know that with a shared commitment to our public schools, our children can learn, grow, and thrive. And together, we can keep New Jersey's public schools the best in the nation. Hi, my name is Alma Saracia at Malcolm X Bass High School in Newark. I completed the FAFSA because it's a graduation requirement and to assist me with paying my college tuition. Last year, Newark students earned more than $77 million in scholarships and financial aid. Don't miss out. See your school counselor today. Let's go to work, class of 2023. Complete the FAFSA or NJAFAA. At the Terrell Fund, we know childcare creates transformative early learning experiences for young children and helps families succeed. Childcare is essential for the economy, driving financial growth and sustainability across all sectors. The Terrell Fund envisions a New Jersey in which every infant and toddler has access to high quality, affordable childcare in order to grow, develop, and thrive. Our children are our future. For more information, visit TerrellFund.org.